said that uh, what do we call the Tamahak thing? No, that's another picture. Okay, so there was this uh, zoo that was advertising that they have reached the coming of Mashiach. Mashiach has come in their zoo. They're ready for Mashiach. And they had a wolf with a lamb in peace together. And there was a tourist visiting. It didn't make sense to him that Mashiach had come into the zoo because he knew that in his own uh, life Mashiach hadn't come. So, but he sees, sure enough, there's a cage and there's a wolf and there's a lamb. And they're looking like they're having a great time over there. So he, he really, his curiosity got the better of him. He had to know what's going on. So he uh, bribed one of the employees at the zoo. And he asked him, how do you guys do the wolf and the lamb thing? How's that, how, how does, don't tell me the trick. It's very simple. Every hour we get another lamb. <laughs> there is a word in English based upon the novel Utopia. What's Utopia mean? Utopia is a story about this wonderful world that there's no suffering or sadness in this world. There's no lawyers in this world, no policemen in this world. It's because everyone just gets along, everyone regards, everyone is healthy and they and the uh, wealthy, yes. And everyone has respect for everyone else's space. Everyone has their own table over there for base Salon, everyone has their own... <laughs> anyway, so the problem with the word utopia... There's always a chasm ready. <laughs> there's always a chasm ready to sign 15-minion, exactly. <laughs> oh, give me a home. Anyways, so... Uh, so what happens is, is, is that this world is so wonderful and beautiful... <coughs> But the problem is, no, no, come here, Abraham. The problem is, is that the word utopia also means a place that does not exist. That's what utopia. Yeah, doesn't exist. So, but the truth is, is that this week we are reading the Torah about something, about the promises of all these blessings that will happen to the Jewish people, happen to the world, about the coming of Mashiach. The Chukoyse Telechu, the Torah starts off this week with amazing, amazing brachas. And Mishbati Chai Rab in the Aretz, Rabbi Shema says it means literally there won't be any more animals, won't, uh, there won't be any more predators. Animals will get along, the wolf will be with the lamb, and no one will, uh, no, no animal will hurt another animal. So what are they going to eat? Vegetables. So, uh, poor vegetables. Actually, their adak, their adak says, what, 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 what are the Californian animals going to do, you're saying? Their adak says, interesting thing, he says, when God created the world, all animals must have not been predatory. How, how does he know that? Because when God made the world, he made each species only a pair, male and female. So if there were predators, then there wouldn't be any animals existing today. So it must be that when animals were created, they were all vegetarians. So... So the question is like this. The um, we have an, we talk about Mashiach in a very in a very natural way. Mashiach is going to come. We say it three times a day in our davening. resurrect the dead. We talk about it as if it's a fact of life that we've seen and experienced all the time. But it seems that there could be a uh, dichotomy or a dissonance between the way we think. The way we feel. The way we, yeah, Mashiach's going to come, for sure. So that means you actually are thinking that, that there's going to be the Tchiyas and Mason. And you're going to speak to Avram Avinu tonight, and Yitzhak tonight. And it's, it's something real. 
but it's not always real. It's not always easy to cultivate a actual perception of life that's actually going to be that way. They say a story about people of Chelm. People of Chelm were afraid the Mashiach will come, they'll get stuck, they won't be ready. So they hired this guy to stand on the roof of the synagogue. So when Mashiach will come, he'll tell everybody Mashiach is coming, so everyone will make sure to get dressed in the Shabbos clothing. They'll, they'll be the first ones to know Mashiach is coming because this guy was standing on the roof of the synagogue, he'll be telling everyone Mashiach is going to come. So the guy's standing on the roof for a couple of weeks and a couple of months and a year, and, and someone says to him, Hey, how are you enjoying your job? It's pretty boring, but great job security. That's the show. So the question is, is that how do we, um, how do we really identify with the coming of Mashiach in an intellectual way? Yeah, a Jew has an Hashemah, we're born with a belief in Hashem in our hearts and our souls, but how do, we, how do we come to terms with Mashiach from the perspective of our mind? What, where exactly is Mashiach going to come? And how is, going to, how is he going to enter the world? I mean, Mashiach's coming means the world's going to be perfect. There won't be any sick, sickness or suffering or sadness. Not only the animals get along, people are going to get along. It's a much bigger... Wow. That's be, a bigger miracle. Of course it's a bigger miracle. <laughs> and open egos, open any, and, and, and he did... Wait a minute. How, how are we supposed to cultivate that kind of uh, a perspective? What's going to cause that to happen? What's a key that's going to change everything in the world that all of a sudden... Everything is going to change. Everything's going to. What's going to happen exactly? How, where exactly is a change going to start in that's going to cause this tremendous change in the whole world? Where does it begin? Where does it end? The opening verse of this week's Torah portion, if you will keep my mitzvahs, is actually talking about the coming of Mashiach. The word im, if, it, is, it's, it's a request. Hashem is begging us, please, I want something to happen and I want to keep my mitzvahs. I want to give you brachas. The word im is an acronym for all of the people that saved the Jewish people in every single story in history. Im stands for Meishananen, Aleph Mem, who saved us from Egypt. Aleph Mem also stands for Mordechai and Esther, who saved us in the time of the story of Purim. Aleph Mem is also the acronym for Matasio and Elazar, the story of Hanukkah. And Aleph Mem also stands for? Oh, Mem again, exactly. Yeah. See, some people listen. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> El Yom Mashiach. Huh? Mashiach and El Yom. All right. Everyone you did, Moshe, you did the Mem first. Fine. Just let, let them come and we'll let them explain to us. So, so, so and, and the Torah doesn't just talk about Mashiach in general way. The whole system the Torah presents the Brachas, it's clear that the Torah is, is, is giving us big stuff. If you notice... Avram. So, the opening, the opening letter of the Torah portion is Aleph. What's the letter at the end of all the brachas? The letter at the end of all the brachas is... Monos. The last letter of the... Of, what's the letter that is the last letter when Hashem concludes saying all the brachas? No. The last letter of all the brachas is a tough. So Hashem is telling you, as I'm giving you all the brachas. When Hashem starts saying the opposite of brachas, what's the letter he uses? It's the first letter. Ve'im. starts with a vav. And it ends off with the word Moshe, the letter hey. The letter hey and the letter vav are next to each other in the alves. So that indicates that Hashem, when he's giving the brachas, he's giving us all the brachas. Alav to tough. He's pouring it on. On the other hand, when he's giving the opposite of bracha, it's a, there's a vav and hey, there's a narrow gap between the vav and the hey, the, 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 the vav and the hey are right next to each other in the alphabet. Also, 
the letters Vav and Hey form form one of God's names, the end of God's name, Vav and Hey. So that indicates. I'm sorry. Yeah, Vav and Hey. So the the Vav and the Hey. Huh? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the vav and the hey indicate how not only does Hashem <laughs> tells us I'm, I'm with you in your pain. As the Bredichever explains one of the Pesukim, this week's Torah portion, the Bredichever says, the Pesuk says, I will pain you. So if you look carefully at the word, it says, I will pain you. I have pain when you have pain. So that's when the Torah speaks about the opposite of Bracha. When it talks about Bracha, though, it goes on and... and one explanation of why brachas, are, though on, on the other hand, are very short. It's true that when the Torah describes the brachas, it's successive, non-stop in the narrative. You have this bracha, you have that bracha, you have this bracha, but overall, the brachas are very short in comparison to the rest of the of the, of the opposite of brachas. The reason for that, one of the reasons for that is, is that when, when someone asks you how's life, and you say life is good, that means everything. If, if, if something is bothering you, if your bank account is bothering you, if your health is bothering you, you don't say life is good. You say this issue, of that issue. When you say life is good, that's all-inclusive. So therefore, the brachas are not sufficient to say this in a general way. But the opposite of bracha, Hashem says it, the details. Because, because a, a saying things are good is a more of an all-inclusive kind of thing. Also, the Torah here is telling us a system of chinuch, of education of children. The Torah is saying that uh, unlike... Probably the way that uh, every civilization, the previous generation, was educated, where there was a major emphasis on punishment, and uh, the and, and uh, the Torah. Look at the way Hashem describes how He's going to give us stuff. What does Hashem say? I'm going to give you brachas and more brachas and nonstop. And when Hashem says the opposite, what does He say? He says, "If, if, if, maybe, maybe. I don't want to do it, but if you force me, and Hashem gives seven conditions before He says anything negative." And even more, famously, the Alter Rebbe says, the Mittal Rebbe famously said that when the Alter Rebbe reads the Torah, he cannot hear any curses. Because the Alter Rebbe, when he read the Torah, you were able to sense the inner meaning of the Torah. And the inner meaning of all these words in the Torah aren't curses. There are brachas which are higher than can be explained by the regular regular words. And therefore, they come down in the Torah, in the, in, the, in the language which is opposite of bracha, but really they allude to tremendous brachas. I heard uh, today, I don't know if this is a joke or this is actually said somewhere. It says, It says, You'll eat the flesh of your children. Doesn't sound very yummy, right? Doesn't sound very fun. But uh, I heard today, It means, oh, very good. It means your children will keep term, the children will be religious, and therefore you'll be able to go to their house to eat their, their food because they'll, they'll, they'll observe term mitzvahs. There is, though, a teaching of Al-Tarebbe, for sure, Al-Tarebbe says, says, Ten women will bake their bread in one oven. In our community, we saw actually a very positive application of that. Everyone's working together to help uh, with various simchas that have happened and other other needs. Ten women all working together with a lot of energy to. But the Alter Rebbe says it means the ten spheres are burned up in the fire of the oneness of Hashem. The ten spheres, each part of the neshama, is consumed with with this infatuation for her love of Hashem, the, the ten spheres are burned up in the, in, in the oven of Echad. How does this have to do with ten ten. women? Why do women have to do with spheres? I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, so, I'm not sure where it is. I think it's a pre-Petterberg, I don't know. Uh, either way, 
But this seems like it's a helam shebehelam. I mean, it's bad enough that I see a table and nobody boinish shalom over here. Okay, no mail, but here it's like it's going down into something that seems totally in the habit of brachas. That's because he's there is such tremendous, tremendous, tremendous brachas that can't come down in a regular way. Uh-huh. Like the famous story of yeah. Rabbi Eliezer, the story of Shemar Yechoi, that uh, he sent him to go to these sages to get brachas, and he, and he got the right. opposite of brachas. Right. And he asked his father, why did he send me to get these blessings? And his father said, these, these blessings are actually extraordinary blessings. He explained how all these things that he said really meant really incredible blessings. Yeah, yeah. So getting back to, to uh, the prophecies of Yeshaya about the coming of Mashiach, how it's going to be such an amazing world, things are going to be so wonderful. How is it going to happen? So the Gemara says uh, many stories about the sage named Rabbi Rav Chana. Rabbi Rav Chana, he has many amazing stories. There are, the, the Rambam, my man, he says all these stories aren't real. They didn't happen, they will never happen. The Rambam says they're all parables. For example, it says in the, one of the stories, each one is more incredible than the other story. They, they were traveling on a, on a boat and it was hot and they were looking for a place to cool off and they found this island, they went to the island and the island had these trees and they went to fishing and they cooked the fish and when they cooked the fish, the whole island lifted up and they realized that they were cooking fish on top of a fish, a huge fish, and they uh, managed to survive because they ran to their boat when the, when the island, when the fish island, who had apparently been lying there such a long time so there was trees growing on him. Anyways, so 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 that's that's so Ram says, you know what that is? That's a mushroom. So it's not real; it's a parable. You know, it's, it, when when Shabbos comes in late, the rabbi is trying to get everyone's attention. What does he do? There's a parable. Once everyone's attention, you can't say too, too deep there. To say just a parable, get everyone's attention. When I, when I pass a computer over there, I think maybe I'll try to recharge the phone while uh, I think it's losing battery over here. Anyways, so hey uh, Faraz, Shalom Aleichem. Remember Faraz Yosifian? From Gan Yisrael? No, he's over here. He's not, not over there, he's over here. Anyways, so... Um, so... So the same thing could be said about B'yaz Mashiach. All these things that Ramam says, when it says about B'yaz Mashiach, Yeshaya in this week's Torah portion prophesies that we have all these amazing things happen, the Ramam says it's all parable. When it says a wolf will lie with the lamb, it doesn't mean literally a wolf will lie with the lamb. The Ram says it's a parable. It means the nations of the world will no longer bother us. We'll all live in peace. It doesn't mean literally the wolf will lie with the lamb. It's just a parable. Don't take it literally, says the Ram. And, uh, and, and, and what's Mashiach about? Mashiach means we'll live comfortably. There won't be any suffering in the world so much. The Jewish people won't be, won't be under the jurisdiction of the nations of the world. We're going to enjoy life. But it's not going to be these incredible, earth-shattering miracles. It's going to be normal. That's what it seems like from the Rambam. But the problem is... And so therefore, you don't have to say that there's going to be amazing things happening. It's all natural things. The world's going to change. Just like today, uh, they're able to produce enough uh, food to, to feed the whole world. And the medicine's getting better. And people are able to sit in their air-conditioned offices instead of working on the field. So slowly but surely, the world's going to get better. Everyone's going to, enjoy, everyone's going to enjoy life. And the Jewish people won't be subjugated to nations of the world. So, so, so it's, all, it's all a natural kind of thing. That's what an eye says in the Torah, the wolf alive with the lamb. That's just a parable. The problem with that is, one of the 15 principles of faith, which the Ramam writes, which people say this every day, after davening, if the customs say this after every day, what's one of the certain principles of faith? What's the principle number 13? The resurrection of the dead. So we're not just talking about things which are natural, almost miraculous, pseudo-miraculous. We're talking about such incredible miracles that make the wolf and the lamb look like uh, child's play. So what exactly 
is uh, billions and billions and billions of people. Right. The people are going to get up and so live forever. Getting up. So how are we saying? So the Rebbe addresses this, and the Rebbe says that. When the Ramam says there won't be any miracles, the Ramam is talking about the definition of Mashiach. For Mashiach to come, you don't have to have miracles. But of course, there are going to be miracles. Because there's going to be the resurrection of the dead and many other miracles. And the initial stage of Mashiach's coming, there's no need to have miracles. Mashiach does not mean a miracle. Mashiach means that we'll be able to keep Terah Mitzvahs, that we'll have the base of Migdash, that, the, that, that we'll be able to uh, do a little bit of renovation over there in the Temple Mount, and... Uh, to take care of uh, some people which um, instead of the, the, the United Nations uh, saying all kind of terrible stuff about Israel, they're going to uh, all come around and serve the Jewish people and help us, etc. So so that's that's the meaning of um, of the Rambam. He's talking about the initial stage of the coming of Mashiach. But of course there's going to be miracles. So what's really going to happen? It's going to be amazing. It's but the question is how? Where is it going to be so amazing? How is it going to happen? How? And the answer is very simple. In fact, it's so simple that the question is ridiculous. Why is it so simple? When you go and buy a uh, 1985 Chevy, and you open the door, and you see the door comes, and the door flies off with the with your hand off the car, you're not surprised because it's a 1985 Chevy. However, if you just bought a uh, te- S Tesla S X X, go to Tesla <laughs> X. And then you uh, and then you're gonna sue them. What do you mean? The, 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 you know that Tesla is made. It's made in a, in a, by people which are really very. The door fell like this, so it went, fell down. And something fell down. <laughs> so so it, since it's in Hashem's world, since we're living, in, since God made the world, and God's perfect, it has to be the world was created to be perfect too. There's an amazing story about the name of Melchem Elchevizhensk. Elchevizhensk. It was one um, one Friday afternoon. This guy came to the house of Melchor Lezhensk, and he asked him the following question. He says, I want to take God to court. And the Melchor Lezhensk said, okay. You know, like you say, sometimes you say something stupid, and the person says, okay, and like, oh, no, what did I just say? That's what happened. He's like, um, actually, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't do this. <laughs> no, you have, you have one to take God to court. Let's do it. Let's take God to court. So the Melchor Lezhensk says, sit down. Let's call the two other, two other uh, judges. We're going to take God to court. You have something to say to God, we're going to take him to court. Let's see what we have to say. So he said, I have a problem. I want to get married. I want to marry my daughter, excuse me. I want to marry my daughter. And they just instituted this new tax, this marriage tax. And I can't afford the marriage tax. So no rabbi wants to marry us, marry off my daughter. No, no hall will accept my daughter and her, and her suitor for marriage because there's exorbitant tax and we can't afford it. And uh, I don't know which, which uh, ruler had made this tax, Franz Joseph, whoever it may be, but we can't afford this tax, and, and how could God tell us he wants us to, to get married and to, and to have children when it's impossible? You ever had such a question? Different ways, right? So you ask Melech Lezhensk, I want to God the court, he makes rules in his world, you can't get the rules, it's impossible. So the Melech said to him, okay, we heard your claim, we're going to look in the Torah and see what Hashem's claims are, and the rule is, usually, when you have two claimants against each other in court, usually, huh? Before, we have to have the, the judges, and the majority of the judges is the ruling, but before we get to the majority of the judges, the judges tell the two claimants to leave the courtroom, and then they discuss among them, amongst themselves, and then they tell them their ruling. But here, Ramel said, we can't really tell Hashem to leave the room, because the whole world is full of his glory, so you'll stay and he'll stay. And we'll discuss it while you both are here. 
So they're discussing the case, and they came to the conclusion that he's right. He's right. Hashem made a rule to get married, and it can't be. Hashem makes such a rule, and it's impossible to get the rule. And they, Hashem has to allow them to, Hashem has to take away the tax. And this, this, this story happened 20 minutes before Shabbos, and immediately there was a psak from the government. They're taking, they're, the government is going to listen to the request of the people and remove this tax. And by the way, this is not just a story that happened to Melchor Lezhensk. The Rebbe told certain people in certain situations, then we say this as a, as a, as a instruction for Hasidim in general, but to take Hashem to court, there were certain times. That they have, yeah. Like a Bezdin, the Paskin. Isn't it? Isn't it? One thing that you have to be careful about is everyone said that you shouldn't make a promise to Hashem. With, you shouldn't make deals. You shouldn't say, if Hashem does this, I'll do that. Why not? Because Hashem could always keep his deal. The human being. No, may or may not. So therefore, if you want to say, you, you could say, I'll give stock and this merit, my son should live. You'll have, the Gemara says you'll have to say those words. But you're now allowed to say, I'm only going to give stock if my son lives. Because then you're entering into a deal you may not be able to keep. What? Oh, very good. So. The story of a guy in New York that uh, his sukkah blew away just before sukkahs. And the tornado came, and an older guy, an older love. It's a longer story than this, but basically, remember that's a story from a rabbi that he took a to She says, What am I going to do? I'm an old man, I can't rebuild the sukkah, and, and I'm stuck now. What am I going to do? So he took the ship to court, and a guy that remembered him from some old age home, they used to go to Chmesus, he figured out the attack of this guy is going to need help, and he came by. A little bit later, he says, I figured that, I saw the tornado, I know the sukkahs from when I knew you, Chais was, I come here to help you to rebuild your sukkah. You had a story like that, Rikha You told me a story like that. The seven-day order, you had that happen to you? You told me, no? What happened to you? What, what happened? You, you, you know that story that people say they have a seven-day order, the court to move the sukkah? And that story, that, it happened to Rikha Sharon, the story, right? Not for now, okay, fine. I don't mind the details. I just want to ask Israel. There's a guy who had a very hard time, a shliach, hard time, hard time in, in raising funds for his institution, and, and the Rebbe said to make a to make a bezin, make a bezin, and the bezin looked in the Rambam. And the Rambam says that Hashem has to provide to Eden with their things they need in order to do their mitzvahs, and the bezin paskin. And but many times they were told that Rabban the paskin Moshiach has to come. Anyways, so question is okay. So so make so the fact that the world will, will be perfect makes sense. The fact that, that that people will get along makes sense because Hashem made the world. It must be a perfect world. It even says that when Hashem made the world, there's no such thing as trees that did not bear fruit. Why would Hashem make a tree? Why would Hashem make a tree that doesn't bear fruit? Hashem is perfect. Of course, the tree He makes is going to bear fruit. So Mashiach comes. It says all trees will bear fruit. What happened was it was a sinner of the tree of knowledge, and the world lost something. The earth, which is the mother of the tree, was cursed, and therefore the trees also lost their ability to bear fruit. But the natural state of a tree is to bear fruit. Every tree. And so to the natural state of the animals to get along. Hashem makes a perfect creature. Okay, so if Hashem makes a perfect creature, so what are we doing here? So let Mashiach come. What, 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 of course Mashiach should come, but what, what was the point of this whole exile thing in the middle? Learning this morning an unbelievable thing. The Gemara says that Rabbi Yosef would make a party on Shavuos. Shavuos was his big yonder. And he would get three calves, slaughter three calves, make a party, and he said, if not for this day, how many Yosefs would there have been in the marketplace? How many Yosefs do we have by this class tonight? I think we have two Yosefs. Okay. So Yosef said, if not for this day, how many Yosefs were in the marketplace? So everybody asks, I think, like 17 questions about this Gemara. But in this Sikh that we were learning, we only asked, I think, three questions. So we'll do those three. 
Question number one is, how come you said, how many Yosefs, how many Joes would there be in the marketplace? Just say, how many people? What's, what distinguishes him from other people? Why do you mention the word Yosef? Number two, how come he's celebrating the Torah with, with, eating, with eating steak? I mean, it stirs a spiritual thing, so why is he celebrating with steak? It doesn't sound, sound like a good question, right? Okay, whatever, fine. But he's a, he's a Talmudic sage, he's not into eating it. He's not just looking for an excuse to eat steak. Why is he choosing to celebrate with steak? Number three, how come he said how many Yosefs are in the marketplace? What's the marketplace? Why? So those are the three questions. Avram, come here. Avram, Avram, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting. Okay, the answer is ever so like this. Yosef means to add. The word Yosef means to add. To contribute something to the world. The Gemara says a person would rather have their own contribution, their own achievement, more than nine times as much as getting it for someone else. They would rather work and achieve rather than receive it for free, even if they get so much more. So before God gave us the Torah, there was Torah also. People studied Torah before. Avram studied Torah, Yitzhak studied Torah. And there are people that achieve something. For example, if Noach, would, if the Nobel Prize uh, team was around the time of Noach, they would they would give they would give Noach a Nobel Prize because he invented the concept of plowing and planting. He invented different different tools. He for sure would have gotten a Nobel Prize. There are many people that contributed to the world. So how come? So Yosef said there were Yosefs before. There were people that contributed to the world before. But what happened now? When the Torah was given. There's a whole different kind of contribution that each of us is capable of. But after the Torah was given, there's a new kind of contribution. What's a new kind of contribution that's possible now? When you do a mitzvah, the giving of the Torah accomplished, when you do a mitzvah, you bring down to the world the infinite light of Hashem. Dear Tachtayim, you're bringing Hashem's infinity and you're changing the fabric of the world through every mitzvah. So Hashem told, so Yosef is saying, there's a marketplace. The marketplace a place, it means a place of place of Plurality. Thank you. And divisiveness. And a Jew has to reveal the oneness of Hashem in this place of divisiveness. And he has to make Hashem's oneness to be revealed here. That's the idea of Yosef in the marketplace. If Yosef said, because Hashem gave us the Torah, we're able to add something to the world that's beyond the world. It's higher than creation. There were Yosefs before the Torah was given. But now there's a whole kind of contribution to the marketplace that even every child does. Whenever he says a pasuk, whenever he says a child does come and tell the phone, whenever you give it stucca. And that's and that's what we're doing here. By Yid living with, in, in time of Algalus, which the whole point of the creation to begin with was only for Tchiyas it was only for Biyas Mashiach. As Alta writes chapter 37 in Tanya, but the way we get there is by us being here in this confusing era, right before the coming of Mashiach, and bringing light to this place. That, that, that's, what, that's, that's what it's about. But for tonight, and what's the temperature? Are we inside? We're up. There's an app over there. All right. That's one of the share tonight. Any questions, comments, criticism, tomatoes, cucumbers? Eggs. Huh? Eggs. Eggs. Back over.